right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. It's going to be a fun one on today's show. We're going to be uh, joined by John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant coming up in 35 minutes from right now to talk some KU football recruiting after it continues to be big week after week for Lance Leipold and the KU football recruiting staff. Uh, we have another episode of Do We Give a Bleep, a little game we're going to play later in the show, MLB Draft Prospect or Professional Bull Rider. Oh, that'll be a good one. Interesting. Um, we also, do you know that I'm the world's number oh. one biggest PBR fan? Okay. Well, then, so, uh, you know. Good luck. I could be fool, screwed. Good luck. Screw, we'll good see. luck. You know, fooling me on that. Yeah. We also have a uh, Jayhawk football rewind. We'll get to the TCU game coming up in the five o'clock hour. Right off the bat here, though, news from the Big 12. Yesterday, they had the all-conference team released where Kansas got four players on the all-conference team. Today, it was the team media preseason poll. Texas comes in at number one, receiving the most first place votes with 41 of them. Kansas State second. Also the second most uh, first place votes with 14. Then you had Oklahoma at third and, and uh, Texas Tech at fourth. Both received four first-place votes. Maybe a bit of a surprise, the Tech's all the way up at number four. Uh, TCU in at fifth. They got three first-place votes, which I would imagine for those people it was more of, you know, let's just give it to the people who— Last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, and go from there, uh, which I never blame that because it's like, realistically, we're bad at predicting things, so just let the team who did it last year, I guess, whatever. Uh, six uh, is Baylor. Yeah. Seven is Oklahoma State. Oddly enough, got a first place vote. Uh, eight is Central Florida. Notice how I said that. Uh, nine is Kansas. So that is where Kansas is. And then 10 through 14 in order, Iowa State, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and West Virginia. Yeah, whoever is driving the Texas Tech propaganda needs a massive raise. All offseason, it's just been They're Texas the dark Tech, horse. Texas Tech, Texas Tech. I don't even know who started it or how or why, but they're that for whatever reason collectively so you're not they're, it. they're the team this year. You're out on Texas. Who I'm not out. They're just going to go seven seven and five like they do every year. I mean Texas Tech is they are the definition of mid six and six seven and five every year. Okay, that's all they ever do. So which which of the teams do you feel like is too high? Which of the teams is too low in the Big Twelve? Well, I think Texas Tech is probably a little too high. I mean, I think they'll be in the top half, but. Probably too high. Yeah, I could see them like sixth. So, I mean, that's yeah, not like that too big high. of a deal for me. Uh, I think Oklahoma State's too high. I think Oklahoma I think. State, the one first place vote makes it too high. If you take away the first place vote, if that person would have voted them like 10th, for instance, I think the points might have dropped them below UCF and Kansas. Maybe. Um, I think Iowa State might be too low, which maybe is a bit of a hot take, but I don't think they're going to be that bad. Iowa State lost six one-score games in just Big 12 play last year. If they even like, win half of those back, it it's a like, seven-win team. Yeah, it feels like with Iowa State, there was the, oh, Matt Campbell is one of yeah. the best up-and-coming up coming young head coaches, and then he sucked, 
And now it's like the opposite. Everyone's like, well, Matt Campbell's a fraud. He stinks. They're going to be terrible. And they'll just make a I feel game. like they're somewhere in the middle. I, I think you're so right. So they're probably going to finish higher than 10th. Yeah. I, I could see BYU. BYU, to me, is the weird one because they have been playing a Power 5-level schedule. They play all these Pac-12 schools. They'll play Big 12. Like oh, last man, year, they Baylor, still, they Arkansas. They played five uh, Power 5 teams last year. Was that it? Yeah. Oh, I felt like it was more than that. Okay. So maybe there is an adjustment there. But I, I feel like they've been they've had like the biggest difference to me usually with the group of five is the lines of scrimmage. It feels like BYU always has like a good line of scrimmage. So that wouldn't shock me. I do think that I don't know, man. I, I kind of think Baylor might be too low. I, I feel like this is what Baylor does. I could agree with that. Doesn't Baylor seem to do this? It's like a rotation. They'll have a year where they win double digit games and then they'll win like five, six, or seven. Everybody will be like, oh, what happened? What went wrong? And the next year, they'll win like 10 again. And they are the team that ultimately, it's like one year, they'll win all their one-score games. Then the next year, they'll lose all their one-score games. They went from, uh, uh, like, uh, I think it was six wins under Matt Rule to then all of a sudden making, was it the Sugar Bowl? And then with Dave Aranda, they went to like six wins Remember, to Matt, then make the Sugar Rule, Bowl. they were like, one in eleven, and then they yeah, and then they totally turned it around. So Baylor wouldn't shock me if because they they won six or seven games last year. If they jumped up to being in that like top three, top four at, at any point, a team that I think might be too too high. I, we could say Texas. Like, is there a chance Texas does the Texas? Uh, off? I guess technically, but I feel like the floor there is pretty high. Yeah, I guess technically you could argue they're too high because it's impossible for them to be higher. <laughs> so the only way they could be. The only way they could think, the only thing they could do is go down. I could see TCU ended up being too high. Like if they finish seven and five, you know, where they finish ninth in the conference or, or eighth in the conference. Um, seven and five has got to be better than eighth, right? I guess it depends. Honestly, what's going to happen? Five, you're going to be in the top half. If you're seven and five, you're probably at that point like five and four in the conference, which that could be like, that's the thing. It's going to be like, there could be five, five, and four teams where it's like technically that's tied third, but it's like third through seventh or something, right? So maybe not. What about UCF? I mean, I trust Gus Malzahn. They've got good running backs. They've got a returning solid dual threat quarterback. Got a couple good front seven players on the defense, but also making the jump up. Yeah. What it if UCF like goes like UCF, six and six? Uh, is the team that is most likely to not like tank in their first year in the Power Five, mm-hmm. which makes sense. They have a Power Five head coach. Also, I could see Houston pick 12th here. I could see a world where Houston finishes last. Maybe. Maybe. I think very clearly Houston, Cincy, and West Virginia are the bottom three. Let's stop beating around the bush here. Yeah, Kansas Kansas is number nine. Kansas is too high, too low. I think it's a little too low, but I don't think it's much too low. Um, I, I would put them ahead of UCF. I know you would be comfortable putting them ahead of Oklahoma State. I'd be fine if you did that as well, but also, um, they're playing in Stillwater this year. They're no, going to be I underdogs know. in that game. They so probably will be underdogs. You're right. If you lose that game, and you listen, end up with the same record. You lose I, the tiebreaker. I, you won't meet a more optimistic KU fan than me, but I think some people are putting the cart before the horse when it comes to KU winning games on the road. Dude, prior to last year, they'd won like two road conference yeah. games since the Civil War. Yeah, I okay? think we look back so at that I'm, stat. I was, am hesitant. It was the Orange Bowl year was the last time they won two road conference yes. games in the same so season. So I am, I am hesitant to firmly pick KU to win any of the road conference games. Any of them. Maybe just say one. You Maybe one. they might get one. Now, the good I news is you have more home games than road games this year. You have five uh, conference home games. So if you go yeah, one I, and I three know. on the road, if you can go... Because I am optimistic, but I, I'm i just hesitant to say... I'm yeah. hesitant to look at a road game and say, oh, automatic W for Kansas. I think that's fair. Now, 
But they have their three road games. They have Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Cincinnati all on the road. I would think you can win one of those. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm confident in thinking K will win one of those. I think that is the positive here. Is that yeah of your of your five road games? Obviously, you do have to go to Texas, who's predicted to be number one. Yeah, I mean, and, you play Nevada. That should be a right. win. But your other three road conference games, like you said, Iowa State's picked tenth. Bad. Um, Cincinnati's picked fourteenth. I mean, Oklahoma State's seventh. <laughs> KU does historically has not done well in Ames over the last half. No, they years. haven't. Maybe they, <laughs> they do. Had, they had so remember in, in Lance Leipold's first year, they were the game was over five minutes into the game. Mm-hmm. Then they had the game. Was with that the David time Beatty before that? Where I think I uh, thought it was the was it David Beatty? Yeah, they had a David Beatty one where they were down where they had like ten yards. Of you offense. know, actually, there was the uh, I don't remember if this was Beatty or Miles where they actually were competitive. It was a game in the fourth quarter. It was like a one-score game in the last ten minutes. There was but then the one, one they before were, that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. it was like, raining. They had like ten yards of offense. Yes. it was 38-0. Yeah, I think they gave up like a couple special teams gaffes. Uh, yeah, that one was a disaster. So yeah, that, that has not gone well. <laughs> um, but I guess on the bright side, you avoid Baylor, which that series just has not tended to go well in general. Uh, so I, I think that I would argue Kansas having eighth. Uh, like I said, Kansas beat Duke in a game where you felt very clearly Kansas was the better team than Duke. Duke manhandled UCF in the bowl game. Transitive property doesn't always work, but when it's something where it's not just like, oh, Kansas won on a fluky game and you, uh, Duke won on a fluky game, whereas like both teams clearly were dominant over the other, even though the Kansas scoreboard didn't necessarily show that. Um I'd be fine. Plus, UCF is making a jump up to a Power Five, which that's difficult for the depth. So, yeah, I would I would probably put Kansas eighth yeah. on this. But we we had this discussion a little bit before we started the show off the air about, I mean, six through nine slash ten is what's the gap between those teams? I'll be honest, I don't probably even know how much very- of a gap there is to the top. I mean, maybe even the top of the conference because. Um, at the very least, if you want to go fourth with Texas I mean, if, Tech yeah, and TCU, I was gonna say, if you were going to draw a line, it would probably be after the top three: Kansas State, Oklahoma, Texas line, and then everybody else is after that from like four to ten. It's like yeah, you could argue pretty close. Well, and even then with Oklahoma, part of it we're just putting them up there because it's like, oh, of course they'll be it's better Oklahoma. this year. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. They have all these no, five and four stars. Oklahoma is getting the respect strictly because of name brand. But they went six and seven. Yes, you exactly. know, so so would it be crazy if they're in the same tier as these teams? No, because you know if you if you're looking at Texas Tech and TCU at four and five is like seven or eight win teams. I guess it just depends on how much you uh, trust Brett Venables to not be bad. I mean, I trust not, him as a defensive coach, but I don't I don't know. Not suck. Their defense was horrible last year, so like <laughs> I I don't know the answer to that because like the difference I think basically of being eight and four in the Big Twelve versus being four and eight. Sometimes it is just how you do in those one-score games. Look at Iowa oh, State yeah. last year. Struggled. Yeah. You look at TCU, who that's the extreme. That's past 8-4. and four, But they like won all their one-score games. Yeah, That tends to just be the difference in this conference because the teams are not that separated apart. I mean, think about it. If West Virginia was the worst team in the Big 12 last year, right, which I guess you could argue West Virginia or Iowa State was last year, but I, I think to me it was West Virginia. And West Virginia even, I, I mean, they took Kansas to overtime. They... Um, Oh, who was it? that Was it Baylor that I want to say they beat or something? Um, which I, I guess those are teams that just went like 6-6. Six and six, But West Virginia won like at Oklahoma State. Oh, West Virginia beat Oklahoma last year. And I guess, again, like that's not a great team. But they only lost by 10 to TCU. Like, point being, your worst team in the Big 12 last year was not a team that even the top team in your conference was able to like blow out. So that just makes it so that it comes down to these one-score I mean, to start games. the year, West Virginia had that game against Pittsburgh, who people thought was a top-20 mm-hmm. team. 
and they almost won. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting when you look at the schedule here because KU on the list of the teams, if you go off the preseason predictions, plays the number one team, number two, number three, number four. So they play the entirety of the top four. Uh, then they play number seven, eight, ten, 11 and 13. If you compare that, for instance, like so Oklahoma plays only, I think it's number one and number five or something like that. And then Oklahoma State only plays like Oklahoma and one of the other teams in the top five. And that's in the entire top half. Actually, yeah, I, I mean, say. if you just didn't look at anything except for the upcoming schedule for like Oklahoma State, that Oklahoma State schedule looks like a, the schedule of a team that could be a top mm-hmm. two, two, two or three. Because they don't play as much difficult teams. So yeah, I mean the guy, whoever voted them first, if they're looking at their, if you're looking at strictly their schedule and nothing else, you could maybe see the logic. Mm-hmm. But then you remember that Oklahoma State's going to be rolling out whoever at quarterback. Alan I Bowman, Alan Bowman. Gunner Gundy. Yeah, whatever. Well, I don't even know how he still has eligibility. I don't either. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. So like. It, that is something, but then if we if we circle back to the idea that we don't think there's a ton of separation between say number five and number ten, number four and number ten, does it really matter? Are all the schedules pretty, uh, you know, alike in that way? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, because like like is playing is playing UCF really that different than playing Baylor? Is playing I mean, for, Iowa for, State really that different for than Kansas, TCU? For Kansas, yes. Playing UCF okay. is different than playing Baylor. But is playing. For, from well, oh, I see. I was just saying. Yeah, because of the mental. Yeah, like aspect. is playing Texas Tech for other opponents that like, different than playing Kansas? Okay, you but, know. No, I don't think so. But like, if KU had Baylor on their schedule, people would be saying loss. <laughs> yeah, just because how the series has gone. No, I see what you're saying. It's just the but uh, because of the, because the they have UCF nightmares. at home. You're thinking, yeah, yeah, okay, they have a chance. Yeah, but just team wise, like I don't. A lot of those teams are, are kind of muddled together. And so what you could yeah. happen have happen here is that you look at it on paper and it's yeah, Oklahoma State only plays you know two teams in the top half of the conference, whereas Kansas plays the entirety of the top four. But then what happens if all of a sudden Texas Tech ends up being the eighth best? Or if Oklahoma's not that much better than they were last year. Or if, you know, Iowa State does actually, like, what if it is a Matt Campbell problem and they actually do end up being the worst team in the Big 12? You don't know right now. And because there is not a lot of that separation between the teams, there could be a lot of muddling that the schedule really doesn't matter that much. And, I mean, okay, from the Kansas perspective, does that concern you at all? Because Kansas in the past has let mistakes destroy them. So if you're playing a lot of teams that are very, very similar to you, that means you need to be playing pretty clean football if you want to win a more a majority of those games. I, I don't maybe concern's not the right word, but like I guess what do you think of that? I think it's fair if you're going to be on that same level. I mean, if you're gonna take the step up into being the next best team. Well, okay, how about how about this? In the past, Kansas has been clearly inferior talent wise than pretty much everybody else in the conference. Kansas this year, you would think, certainly compared to the teams, the new teams in the conference, should be at worst like the same. Like they should be, they should be the same level of like athletic ability as Mm -hmm. UCF, as BYU, at worst. So maybe that, maybe that changes a little bit. Maybe this year that's they, you know, because they have that advantage, Mm -hmm. or at the very least, it's an even playing field, and you trust Lance Leipold to be a top three coach in the league. That maybe that doesn't matter as much. Maybe. 
You also play three of the newcomers, which that could be a good thing. I do think my biggest question whenever you have teams going up from non-Power 5 to Power 5 isn't about what they can do in a one-game sample. They could beat anybody in the conference. It's about what they're going to do over the long haul, the lack of depth maybe to where you know their third string, their second string, like maybe their starters are just as experienced or end up developing into being as good as, as some of the other players, but it's usually the backups. That's where they suffer, where in the long haul, if you're playing them later in the season and they have some injuries – they're not as capable of overcoming those things. And well, the unfortunate of those three part, teams, KU plays two of them exactly. in the first five games. Yeah, so you're probably not going to see the uh, fruits of, of the labor, so to speak, in, in no, playing teams those. getting worn down. Exactly. Except for Cincinnati. Yeah, which is at the very end of the season, but that's senior day for them on, on the last game of the year. So it's like you almost throw that out the window. Um, so, yeah, that, that it is almost unfortunate, too, like the timing that you play the team is beyond who you play. So, I mean, yes, on paper, schedule very difficult. I guess I'm just basically saying that because how interchangeable a lot of these teams seem to be, the schedule might end up being pretty gnarly for KU, but it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. A lot of these teams could switch places. There's going to be certain teams that surprise so you. You're, you basically are saying like right now, today, July 6th. Mm-hmm. It looks like a scary schedule, but once you get into the season and it turns out that a lot of these teams are pretty similar, like their schedule may not end up looking that much more difficult than, than somebody else's. Than somebody else. Right, because there will probably be somebody predicted in the top half who finishes as like a bottom five team. Wouldn't wouldn't shock you. Texas Tech. There's probably a team who's predicted in the bottom half who's going to finish as a top five up, team. I'm going to take up the mantle of the anti-Texas Tech propaganda. <laughs> okay. I'm going to push back against, I don't even know who, the deep state, whoever... <laughs> That keeps cramming Texas Tech in our faces. Oh, Texas Tech's going to be good. Oh, Texas Tech. Dang. No, I'm pushing back. Uh, do you want to give a Big 12 title pick? Uh, Kansas. Okay, just Kansas. The other <laughs> team doesn't even show up. It's like, ah, I don't oh, want to play oh, them. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> uh, Kansas versus, I don't know, Texas. Just yesterday, no, I don't actually think Kansas. I was going to say, just yesterday, you no, said they're going to win six no. games, okay. right? We'll, we'll get to this, I'm sure, once we get closer to the season. Last year, I optimistically picked Kansas to go six and six, and I was right. I just want to go on the record, pat myself on the back. I was right, okay? However, now say something negative this after you year, buttered us all up. <laughs> this year, I think I am going to pick them to finish six and six again. Just, I no, just think I, that's, I think that's. I've thought fair. about this a lot that. I've continued to be adamant that I'm going to say they win more games because I look at how many starters back. Well, yeah, you and predicted all the them to win two right. games last year. No, you predicted no, them to go like I four, and four. I predicted four. Yeah, um, and that you know you put the blindfold on the name Kansas and you just say this team has 16, 17 starters back. They have their quarterback. They all, look all these pretty coaches. damn good. Right. You just put the blindfold on. And you say, oh, of course they're going to win more than the six they won last year. Um, so I, I've just I mean, basically if said Kansas was Texas Tech. They would be. Pick to finish first. That's what I'm saying. If Kansas was Oklahoma, Oklahoma went six and seven last year. They had a defense that stunk. They have a quarterback back. They have I, like there's not that many differences in what Oklahoma's. It's just that Oklahoma is Oklahoma. Oklahoma, and they do have a lot of four and five stars and in there that could Kansas develop in something, Kansas, right? Yeah. So that's uh, you sort of understand been, it. Has been Kansas. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time Kansas has been picked last since 2010, which is very cool. Which is very cool. But yeah, so I, I continue to be optimistic I mean, I that they'll in, win more. I was in. Fifth grade mm-hmm. in 2010. Wait, mm-hmm. that's not right. Uh, I was in like sixth grade in 2010. Okay, but like I, I look back and I know a lot of people made the comparison of last year to 
Mark Mangino's second season, which Mark Mangino went two and ten in year one. That's what Lance Leipold did. Mark Mangino went six and six in year two, then lost in a bowl game in the Tangerine Bowl in 03. Lance Leipold went six and six in year two, then lost in the Liberty Bowl to finish six and seven. And that third year of Mark Mangino, they went four and seven. They took a slight step back, and then by the next year, they were seven and five going back to a bowl. It, history could repeat itself. Absolutely. You could go five and seven this year because of the schedule and the suck. defense doesn't improve. But if you think about it, I do expect 2024 to be even better than 2023. Now, that is pending on the idea will Jalen Daniels be back, right? Yeah. But when you think about I mean, it, if you go five and seven, Jalen Daniels will probably come back. But when you think about it, 2024, the schedule could get easier because you already have Texas and Oklahoma on your schedule this year. You're guaranteed they won't be on your schedule next year. Schedule could open up more. We'll see how the the scheduling stuff works in the future of the Big 12. Um, You could bring back at that point Jalen Daniels, all the receivers, Devin Neal, Jared Casey, Trevor Cardell, a lot of the offensive linemen, Jeremy Robinson, most of the defense, right? To where 2024 to me is my target date that I'm circling of like, that's when they could be like the real Big 12 title contender. But I do think that I expect the wins up this year. I'm just basically saying that 2024 to me feels like the the overall you've reached the summit date with this core of players. I would be sad if KU goes five and seven. Yeah, I'd be sad. Okay, well, I'd rather. Okay, we had this discussion last year, I think too. I'd rather go like four and eight than five and seven, because <laughs> then it's like you're so close to a bowl. It's just. I think it depends on. Oh, what if you're four and seven going in the last game? At that point, you'd rather go five and seven. Because that point you already know they're not going to a bowl game. I I guess. Okay. I don't know. I never thought of it that way, to mm-hmm. be honest. <laughs> so it just depends. All right. Uh, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. John Kirby joins us in 15 minutes. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. About half past the hour, this is RCST on KLWN. John Kirby will join us in about 10 minutes to talk KU football recruiting. Uh, we talked about Ithiel Horton yesterday, who was supposed to be visiting KU this weekend. That won't happen now. Nope. He has committed to Texas. Yeah, so I guess he was on a I guess he was on his visit to Texas like today and was like, Yep, this is the place for me. <laughs> Which first of all, kind of ironic for Chris Johnson. Partially yeah, he left Kansas because he was like, Stop recruiting over me. He's like, oh, I'm really good. I want to go somewhere and play. And he gets recruited over. Um with wow. Ithiel Horton, it, it is unfortunate because we talked about it yesterday. I thought I, mean, I thought he was gonna be a perfect he did have fit a real, for KU. Yeah, he did yeah. have a real role, it felt like. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see where KU goes from there. We'll see where they pivot from there. I, I do feel like that was an indication from I'm KU. I'm going to continue to claim that they're done okay. until they're not done. Because I'm sure they're not done, but I'm saying they're done. Mm-hmm. But I'm only saying they're done because I know they're not done. But that way, I when I say they're done, it makes them go do stuff. Glad we made that very clear. Not confusing one bit. Uh, how about this? Chalk this up into, uh, I don't know. I guess earlier it was reckless speculation, but not anymore. KU Basketball released a video. They called it like on their social media page, Behind the Numbers. And it had all the newcomers from the 2023 to 2024 team and Zach Clements, which I guess, is he technically a newcomer he now? He switched his he number, though. New Jersey, yeah. Yeah, so, so the whole the video was the jerseys. Yeah. yeah. So he's so he wearing 41 explain, now. Which, by the way, bleh. Yeah, weird basketball number. I hate that. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I wonder if 41? Hmm. So Dirk Nowitzki is the only one that I can think of that wore 41. Oh, so if Zach Clemens turns into Dirk Nowitzki, it's okay, right? Uh, yes. Can you name any other players that have won forty-one? Uh, like NBA players, just any players. Honestly, not really. <laughs> 
No, I can't. I'm trying to think if there have even been some KU players. I'm going to look in the media guide to, to see that. Uh, so he was on there. All the other KU players, the, the newcomers were, were on there, with the exception of one person. Now, one person. Who? Was Arterio Morris. What? So Arterio Morris was not on this video where it showed the the guys like kind of talking into one of the tiny microphones and, you know. Yeah, why is that a thing, by the way? The tiny microphone thing? I don't know. It's just a thing. That's a trend that I wish would stop. You're just tired of it? I just don't like it. Okay, that's fair. Uh, for what it's worth, 41, the only other player to wear number 41 is Chase Buford in KU history, according to the media <laughs> guide. So Zach Clements is one of two now. And I don't know, oh. Buford, I think, was a walk-on, so he'd be the first scholarship player. Nonetheless, that'll be a trivia question later, so I hope you're listening. Um, you know, no Arterio Morris there, which led to a lot of reckless speculation about what's going on. Is he not with the team? And blah, 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 right? It uh, did, yeah. It did. So then KU Basketball tweets out, I don't know, 20 minutes after that or something like that, uh, a graphic with Arterio Morris in one picture, and then in the other picture it was like a basically the— One of those, like— I guess like comic book yeah, jerseys. Yeah, screensaver versions of yeah, the jerseys yeah. uh, where it has Arterio Morris and he's wearing, I, I don't know, I think it was like number two or something number like two, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which was the exact same number he wore at Texas. So, wow, okay, big shocker yeah. there. <laughs> Very shocking. Um, so, that basically, th- this cracks me up because this is basically, KU does not like dealing with bad PR and it is funny to me because it's basically like, we did this thing that we did not include this player in. Of course people were going to notice, and then it was like, oh, no, we better scramble to do something here. We'll tweet out a graphic with him so everybody knows he's still on the team. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, crap, now everybody knows that we knew, and then they're like, okay, we better start doing these graphics for the other players. So now they're starting to release the graphics for the other players just to kind of cover the tracks here. I will say, though, this does not cover up the – this does not, I guess, answer the question of why did Arterio Morris not do a video. Right, that clearly they did a graphic because they're expecting him to be on the team and everything. Um, but was he not there because he's still not there? We talked about he wasn't at the one scrimmage. Does yeah. that mean he's still not there? He has his case in like August. Is he just staying know. down in Austin for the time being while they figure out or the stuff with the court like case? Coming back and forth, I guess. I guess doesn't sound like he'll be with the team for the uh, Puerto Rico trip. So, uh, I mean, as as much as like the the off the court stuff, obviously it becomes a real issue and question about is there going to be any suspension or legal trial like what's going to happen with the court case from the on-court perspective too there's questions about i mean you're losing time time, missed practice time like learning the system all that sort of stuff that uh meshing with your teammates that it becomes a uh, very real question there yeah all right we're going to take a time out john kirby of jayhawk slant going to talk some ku football recruiting with us with nick springer i'm Derek johnson you're listening to rock chalk sports talk on fm 1017 1320 klwn klwn.com the klwn app depending on Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson and joined now by John Kirby of Rivals and Jayhawk Slant. Obviously, the KU football recruiting train just keeps rolling through and a couple big ones this week. They uh, pretty much had everything they were looking for in the class ironed out with the exception of defensive line. And then, boom, all of a sudden they get commitments on uh, 4th of July from Dak Brinkley and they get a commitment a few days before that from Deshaun Warner. Uh, Just from a, I, I guess, scouting report perspective, what exactly is Kansas getting in both of these edge players in Brinkley and Warner? Yeah, you know, Derek, they're they're very similar. I mean, if it was real life, they might be twin brothers. I mean, they're both like in that 6'4", 220-pound range, uh, very explosive, 
they're both kind of long striders. They, they've got really good speed. Um, it's funny when you watch them both like pick up fumbles or an interception and return them, you can tell, I mean, they, they run like receivers. So, you know, they have frames that Matt Gildersleeve is going to have a lot of fun with. I mean, he's going to put some weight on these guys and, and the way they're built, I think they're going to keep their athleticism and their speed. They both get after the quarterback, um, you know, maybe a little differently, but I mean, that that's what they are. They're edge guys. But, but maybe the thing that stands out to me, Derek, the most is, you know, a lot of times when you see edge guys in high school, they're, they're kind of just pass rushers. But both of these guys, when you watch them, I mean, they take on blocks. They'll, I mean, they'll put their head down when they realize they're not, they're not going to get past the tackle. They're put, they'll put their head down and try to go through them. So for, for guys who are leaner and longer like these guys are, they're not afraid to play physical. So, I mean, if you'd have told me a week ago at this time, hey, Kansas is going to land Deshaun Warner and Dakius Brinkley, I, I'd have said there's no there, that's the most perfect scenario that they could do, and 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 that's what they ended up with. Yeah, uh, when you look at when Brinkley decided to commit, how much of that do you think comes down to Warner just committed a few days ago, and and maybe there was a squeeze about hey, we only have so many spots left. Like uh, this is kind of the chance to get on board before somebody else takes it. Well, I got to tell you, Derek, I don't know if that was a factor. I think the kid just finally looked at everything and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be at KU, and, I, and I'll tell you why. I think these guys were really the last two DNs on the board. Uh, Joseph Anderson, another guy that you know they had recruited hard, and I think they were in his top three. He committed to Iowa. So when it came down to true defensive end pass rush guys, these were the last two on the board. So, I mean, Dakius Brinkley, he could have waited, I, and he told me, it wasn't too long ago he told me his plan was to possibly just be patient, see what else comes up. You know, he kind of – he had a lot of offers on the table. I mean, Oklahoma just offered him, I want to say it was in March or April. So, I mean, he had – he could have taken other visits and done other things. And I thought for a while he may push this into the fall and just say, let's see what comes, and I'm, I'm going to be patient with this. And then out of nowhere he decided, hey, you know, Kansas is the school. So I don't, I don't think he did it because there was only one spot left. I really think, you know, he thought about it. His, his dad played in the NFL. His mom was a big-time track star. She, she ran in the Kansas Relays when she was in college. And, 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 I, and I don't know the exact uh, details, but I believe she was in the, either the Olympics or made the Olympic team or made it to the finals of the Olympics. I mean, he comes from good bloodlines and parents who are going to help guide him through this. We're talking with John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant here. Um, you know, we, we I think last time we had you on, we're talking with you about the transfer portal and, and kind of the lack of edge talent going around there. And you brought up how guys who, you know, in, in some other years may not have even gotten like Division One offers or Power 5 offers are getting those just because there is such a lack of depth of availability at that position just kind of in the portal or, or around college football just in general. And knowing that, knowing that maybe it is a little bit harder to, you know, you can't bank on getting Alani Phelps every year. How much more important do these moves become knowing that? Well, I, I think that, you know, the, the one thing, Derek, and we talked about this on our board, and it's crazy, and I, and I don't have the, the list in front of me, but I've looked at it enough to know. Recent history of Kansas football, I mean, I'm not talking recent, I'm talking about 20, 30 years. When you go back and look at the all-time sack leaders in KU, football history only like three or four of them are defensive ends i mean 
guys that were like linebackers that they used in blitz packages, um, defensive tackles, inside guys. I want to say only three or four defensive ends rank in the in the history of KU football rank in the top ten of of the all time sack leaders. Uh, Blonnie Phelps obviously had a good year last year, and, and the, look, the second guy on the team last year in sacks was Craig Young. Okay, coming from that that linebacker position. So defensive end at KU. I mean, it's it's just been a thorn in the side of the program for years. So getting these two guys is huge. And, and you and I have talked about this. Finding DNs in the portal. I mean, that's like the number one position. It seems like everybody's always looking to the portal for. Yeah, yeah. So now you kind of just check that off the list for the future. At least uh, you kind of hope that to be the case. Uh, you know, I, I've heard so many stories about, and I think you've talked about some of them, guys who maybe didn't want to commit somewhere until the school got other commits and so forth, where, you know, they were interested and they thought about committing and uh, they, they wanted somebody else in tow. They, they didn't want to be the only big time player out of the, the class to, to make it feel like, you know, they were really building something, that they weren't the only guy. This isn't basketball where you can be that one five-star recruit and maybe change something on a court with five guys. Uh, with this kind of wave of players that KU continues to build and and just add to each and every day, and it seems like it just gets better and better the more that they add to it, how much do you think this wave has a positive effect on on some upcoming decisions like, for instance, Nick Marsh and, and Michael Boganowski? Yeah, you know, I, I know, I know on uh, social media, if you look at Boganowski right now, I mean, he's just getting inundated with, with KU fans and, and KU recruits. And, and I've even seen some current players on there, you know, telling them, hey, go to KU. So, you know, I, I think he sees that. I think March might be a little different. Um, I, just, I just really think that Michigan State may have kind of snuck back in the league. You know, it's, it's kind of rare with a guy like Marsh. He was committed to Michigan State decommitted and I you know I think the feel is is that maybe they've gotten back in the lead and that's that's rare Derek because you don't see kids usually recommit to schools after they've decommitted so but but I think that these guys see what's going on I mean Nick, Nick Marsh sees what's going on because he plays seven on seven with Isaiah Marshall and Jalen Todd and these guys are both teammates at Southfield A&T and they're from that Detroit area so I mean Nick Marsh has seen what Kansas is doing in the in the Detroit area with all the players they've gotten and these guys are looking at the classes the, the, these kids aren't they're not fools they're they're following and seeing the success of the class so I mean it is like you said it is a little bit of a snowball effect once that starts going downhill it's you, you can feel it with Kansas's class. Everybody's just kind of jumped on board and seen the momentum. Well, and it seemed like with the Boganowski one that that's kind of been an uphill battle for a while. Um, and and then yeah, he posts the picture of himself at, at KU on I think July fourth after KU had landed Dak Brinkley. I know that got uh, fans kind of up and and ready to go. And and as you mentioned, all these different KU recruits kind of tweeting at him with with stuff going on. Uh, like, what do you think KU's chances of, of landing him are? And, and I don't know, is it is it um, a possible hurdle, the idea that his dad played for uh, the current K-State linebackers coach when, when he was in college at New Mexico State? Well, you know, they, there's been so much talk about where he's from. It's close to Manhattan. And, you know, that K-State's, you know, d- done better with local guys here than KU. But it's not like K-State's been – you know, sitting here raking in all the local talent. I mean, a lot of these look, a lot of these guys locally have have gone outside the area. So, 
you know, I think Kansas is in it. I really do. And, and I and I put this on our board. You know, the feel I've gotten is Kansas really helped himself with their official visit. I think he had a really good official visit. Um, you know, two months, month, two, three ago, I think everybody felt Oklahoma was the leader. But one thing that Boganowski's done, in my opinion, he's kept everything pretty close to the best. I mean, he's not come out and, and talked about a leader or given any hints that one team's ahead. I think just everybody has assumed the Sooners had the lead. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, I think he's a pretty straight-up kid. I don't think he's posting these pictures of him in other uniforms and things like that just just to play with guys. So I, I feel like I, I have an answer to this based on how you answered those past two questions, but um, if you had to, to say which one KU has a better shot of landing, it doesn't mean that they're going to land them, but the better shot, the, the slightly better percentage, would you say Nick Marsh or would you say Michael Boganowski? You know, right now, I would probably say if I had to pick from the two, I would say Boganowski. Okay. Um, and I, I guess beyond that, like, are there any other targets that, that we should be keeping an eye on at this point? Oh, yeah, yeah. They've still got uh, a defensive lineman, uh, Tyler Simmons from Florida, who I really think KU may be his leader right now. But, you know, he's been tough to read. Again, he, you know, smart kid. He's got offers from, like, Yale, Harvard, Princeton. But he was he took his official visits to Northwestern, Virginia, and KU, and I think KU and Virginia may be at the top, but he told me there's a school he wants to visit unofficially in July. So at the end of this month right now, Derek, it's a dead period, but at the end of this month, it opens up for like five days, six days, at the very end of the month, and guys can go take unofficial visits. They can't be official. And he said there's a place he'd like to see. And then there's another one, Elias Williams, who's uh, you know, kind of a tall guy with with some bodies around 255, 260. I think they're looking at him inside. And, and I think KU's in the mix for him, but he wants to camp at Florida State at the end of July. So, you know, if, if they offer, I, I think he goes to Florida State. If not, I think the Jayhawks are in it. And is that a position with interior defensive line? I mean, you go across the board. You have your quarterback. You got a couple running backs. You got, you know, tight end, three offensive linemen. Now you got a couple edge players, a couple linebackers in there. You got, uh, obviously, four DBs coming in. Uh, there's no receivers in there, um, but, you know, they brought in three last class, and, and I think the only one who uh, has to graduate after this year is Kevin Terry. So, realistically, the one position that would kind of leave in the class is that interior defensive line, defensive tackle, uh, do you imagine that would be outside of just, of course you'd take Nick Marsh, of course you'd take Michael Boganowski, even if they're not at positions in need just because they're really good. Uh, do you imagine defensive tackle being the the position that they would kind of harp on at this point in time to, to round out the class? Well, from from everything that I gather, I don't know that they have a like a need on their board right now to say we need a defensive tackle. I think what they've let Jim Panagos, the D-tackles coach, do is go out and try to find a guy or two that he thinks would really fit what, what they want to do. And I think they would take one. They would take one interior guy. But if they don't get the interior guy, then I think they'll look to the portal. I don't think they're stressed on the interior thing right now. I really don't because I want to say the only guy that leaves, and I may be wrong on this, is Devin Phillips. Um Maybe McGee, I don't know, but here's what here's what they'll do, Derek. I think they've got 16 kids who are leaving at the end of this year. When you look at their roster, I want to say it's 15 or 16 guys that are gone. Okay, so you know you're going to have 
15, 16 scholarships to give for sure. Okay, they're sitting at 15 commitments right now. Then we always know at the end of the year there's going to be some guys who transfer out. Okay, they're going to hit the portal. How many that's going to be, I don't know, two, three, four, five. So you got to be careful a little bit, right, that you don't get overextended. So let's say they, let's say they get Tyler Simmons and they go to 16. Let's say Boganowski comes in and commits, and that's 17. So now you're technically one over. So normally what you do is you fill up the spots now with high school guys, okay, and then you wait until after the season to see who leaves and who leaves you backfill those with the guys in the portal because those are players who are leaving later. So that's kind of been their formula. So on the defensive tackle, I'm kind of giving you the, the, the long round away here. I, if they can get one of those guys, they take it. But if they don't, Jim Panagos will go find somebody in the, in the portal, which he's shown he can do. Yeah, so kind of just best player available at this point in time. And uh, when, when you mentioned that uh, of the guys leaving, that, that seems like a low number. Do you think there is a uh, – I'm not saying the numbers are. I'm saying like that. That's a low number to to lose, which means I, I think that gives you a lot of hope for what they could be in 2024 beyond 2023. Um, but when you look at some of the guys who who maybe could come back another year, like you think of the juniors or whatever, like Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal, guys like that. Uh, how much do you think the program is operating under the idea that these guys will be back and and won't end up like going early to the NFL draft, like we saw with Lonnie Phelps? Well, I think that um, I think that's one of those things that would go in the column of to be determined, right? I mean, I think you've got to wait and see, you know, what kind of year does Devin Neal have? What kind of year does Jalen Daniels have? Um, I, hey, I, I've heard that some of the NFL guys that came through in the spring love the corners, love Jacoby Bryant and, and Melo Dotson, like thought that, hey, you know, these guys have NFL potential. What if one of those guys has a great year and – so I think that's one of those things you 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 kind of keep over to the side in the gray area. You always keep your eye on it, and and knowing Leipold and this staff and all the people, the inside part of their recruiting department, guys like you know Inel and Grant Murray and all those guys, it, it's a well-run system, and they're they're going to have a plan for everything. Okay, um, you know I, I don't know that you know I think they had an idea that Phelps could leave. But I think they got a better idea and kind of knew some things long before he ever announced that he was leaving. They they had an idea. So they'll, they'll keep their eye on that, and they, they stay in contact with those kids as those decisions are getting made. And now that they are kind of filled up on, on the prospects, like, again, going back to the idea that, yeah, if any of those kids want to commit and they'll keep pushing for them, uh, they'll go for them with kind of the best player available. But overall, sounds like they are pretty content if the class is just at 15 at this point in time. Uh, what does that allow them to do now for the rest of, I guess, the off season and once we get in season? Does it give them more time to do anything else? Well, listen, Derek, when they changed, I, I don't know, was it four years ago? I can't even remember when it was. When, when they brought in the June visits, I mean, it changed recruiting. Okay, I mean, remember, our summers like this, I mean, our summers were slow. Okay, I mean, we, we'd sit around figure, try to figure out what you even write about. Then they, then they allowed these visits to start in, in June, I believe May. So that changed the game. You know, November and December used to be bonkers. That was crazy. Well, November and December has now become May and June. So the good news, I think, for like a staff, okay, is once they get to August, let, let, let's say Kansas starts fall camp, and let's say they've pretty much filled up. They're now not sitting there worrying about who, who are you going to recruit to look like. That's taken care of. 
So you're just kind of cultivating the relationships and staying, staying in touch with your committed players, maybe working on some 2025 guys. But you can focus on the season now. You can worry about football and breaking down film and your next opponent. And I don't think you have to sit there and stress in recruiting like the old days before the June visits. I mean, shoot, man, half the time of your season was spent on the phone trying to get visits lined up and get kids on the board for November and December. Well, that's changed now. He is John Kirby. You can check out all his work with Jayhawk Slant and Rivals. John, uh, you got any specials going on or, or any, I don't know, best way for people to sign up and all that sort of stuff? You know, Derek, we don't. We had uh, we had a deal where you could uh, get us free in fall camp, and then Rivals uh, extended that out. So, and then and then it ended up canceling. So, I'm sure we'll come up with something here, hopefully, to get uh, get a good deal for people to come back on. All right, we'll be on the lookout for that, and uh, you can join the slant again, Jayhawk Slant through uh, Rivals.com. All right, John, I appreciate the time as always, man. Have a good rest of your day. Have a good rest of your week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for having me on, Derek. That was John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. Welcome back into RCST on KLWN. Four o'clock hour here. Coming up, we're going to have a game of uh, MLB draft prospect with the draft this weekend or professional bull riders. That'll be a fun one. Uh, we also will talk some more KU football throughout the show, including at 5 o'clock our Jayhawk football rewind. We got to get into the TCU game this week on the show, which starts our losses, but it's still a fun one to talk about. You know, yeah, college game one. day, yeah, all that sort one. of stuff. And, and a lot that I think actually the, maybe more that we can take away from that game for this year than maybe some of the other games, which we'll get to that uh, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. First, though, a, another segment of Do We Give a Bleep, where we tell you stories about, I don't know, the sports world, whatever, tell you if we give a bleep about them or not. <laughs> I guess in theory, by us just talking about it on the air, does that mean we sort of do? Uh, Not necessarily. Mm. I don't know. I guess it is one of those kind of where a, it's like, if we talk yeah. about how we don't care, does that mean we do care? <laughs> right. It's like the, uh, what, what was that? So was technically, that- we do care about everything. Was that the uh, there was like some some New York Giants guys who like oh, host, yeah. uh, a they show were, or a podcast yeah going? yeah and they were like we do not care about Kadarius Tony maybe potentially possibly flipping us off we don't care at all though yeah we're not mad and then they did like we're an not hour mad. show on it we don't care we definitely really he can do whatever he wants yeah. you know we don't we don't care that much but we're gonna talk about it for the next thirty minutes yeah yeah I guess that's kind of like what we're doing here a little bit uh, sort of sort of not okay uh, first up. The Damian Lillard trade saga. I mean, there's just a lot. Okay. Where's he going to go? Is it going to be the Heat? As he wants of, to go to the Heat. All this stuff. Do you, do you care? As of right now, I do not give a bleep. Once he gets traded, I'll be like, oh, So okay. you give a bleep about the end result. You don't care about the process. I don't even know if one. I really give a bleep about the end result, to be honest. <laughs> because I don't, I mean, at this point, I just, I don't know. Is Damian Lillard will be in the NBA one way or I another. know that NBA tryhards love this crap. Mm-hmm. They love it. This is like what they live for. Okay? <laughs> Which, by the way, is that not an indictment of yes. the NBA that people think that the offseason is more exciting than the regular season? Yes. Is that the not problem. an indictment? That is a problem. Yes. Yes. So, that's just... I, I don't understand. So, I don't... No, I don't really give a bleep at all. I mean, I find it, I guess, kind of fun. Like, I think we talked about this last week. I find it more funny that it's like... Damian Lord's like ultimate. Oh, I'm, I'm addicted to the grind. And then he's like, okay, now well, now I want to get traded. But then he doesn't have a no trade clause like Bradley Beal did, so he's stuck at the whatever 
Portland decides. And then his agent is like, well, nobody else offer any trades. He's going to Miami. Nobody like that. He literally said that today. Mm-hmm. His agent was like, don't offer trades. He's only going to Miami. Like what? You can't just that. that okay. Also, just a quick side note of the NBA. Mm-hmm. The NBA has to have like unlimited collusion when it comes to this stuff. Right? Yes, because they're and just no ways cares? of back channeling. And no one cares? As long just as like, they don't dude, do it in publicly. In the NFL, if there's like even a single whiff of like somebody tampering with somebody else, they freak out. Well, they just back channel in the Everything is is orchestrated by so the agents cares. in the NBA. So, uh, so, but why does nobody care in the NBA? It's just as long as you're not brash enough to do it in public. I feel like people have been brash enough to do it in public and nobody cared anyway. No, they have. They're, okay. I mean, LeBron James was like openly texting, you know, whatever people a while back. I right? think they got in trouble for it. No, like that, for instance, like, okay, keep in mind, this year in the NBA draft, you, you know how we only had 58 picks? Yeah. That's because tampering. Two teams lost their picks. I don't so know. That's why. So, like, but do they care? Like, if you tamper and you get Damian Lillard and then they're like, and the NBA is like, well, you're going to lose your second round pick. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I got Damian Lillard. Who right. cares? Yeah. No, that's fair. I don't really care about the saga itself, about all this stuff, about, yeah, his agent telling him this and that. I do care about, like, the actual bat. Like, I actually am intrigued by, oh, what trade packages could be put together or where could Damian Lillard play? Like, it's it's fun to play the hypothetical game about, like, oh, what would it look like if you were on this team or that team? So I care about that part of it, and I will care about what the end result, the trade package is. But the drama side of it, I don't care. I, I could care less about, <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, do we give a bleep? Soccer rankings have the U.S. men's national team ranked 11th in the latest FIFA World Rankings as of the uh, end of June. Do we give a bleep? Okay, so internally, I do not care. But externally, I have to say that I care. Okay. that way, when the World Cup rolls around and I act like I care about the U.S. men's national team, Nobody can accuse me of saying, "Well, you never, you didn't care about them when all the other times." Well, you no, just said publicly, "I don't care internally." So now it's already no, on record. But I'm saying I do care. See what I'm saying? But internally, you said. But you I don't. already said I do care. Th- so now you're lying to all of us. I'm not lying to anybody. You're lying. to I just us. said I care. But you before that, you I said just said you that don't I care. care, so that people can't accuse me of of in the when the World Cup happens that people can't say, "Well, you didn't care then." I'm saying I do care. So what do you what do you say to that? Huh? Okay. I do care. I apologize for attacking you on that. How about this? They're headed Germany. Nobody would have ever expected that, I feel like. Um, I think they're ahead of Colombia. I also Uruguay. think these rankings are kind of messed up, though, because the U.S. plays in the CONCACAF, and they use, like, their C-minus team, and they just steamroll everybody. So, I mean, what what do you, what? What does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. There's, like, a formula. This isn't, like, rankings that, like, they have AP poll voters around the world. It's some formula, so, you yeah, know. That would be awesome. It's not an they exact. They have the FIFA AP rankings. I would care if they called him the FIFA AP rankings. Okay. I would You'd definitely care, more. care then. Yes, 100%. Uh, no, I don't really give a belief about this at all. Like, I do give a belief about, like, the World Cup and stuff like that, but this won't really have any bearing on whether U.S. is 11th or they're 7th or they're 14th or 15th. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This isn't the, you know, it's not like uh, we have Selection Sunday and it's going to be like, well, if the U.S. is ranked, you know, 16th versus being 20th and their strength of schedule is this, then they're going to make it or not. No, it's like, First of all, we're hosting, so we're guaranteed a spot, so it doesn't matter. And second of all, they don't view that. There's like, you have to win this tournament or that tournament to make it in. It has nothing to do with the ranking. So, no, I don't I don't care about that. Uh, MLB All-Star okay. rosters were announced earlier this week. Do you give a bleep? I didn't even know this happened, so no, I don't give a bleep. So, me telling you this is the first time you've heard about this? Yes. Okay. Well, I've seen people, I've seen tweet, tweets of like, 
this guy's on the roster, that guy's on the roster. But I literally just did not care. Sorry. Yeah, with any All-Star game, there's always, you know, who got left out, who didn't, you know, who shouldn't be in there that is every All-Star game. It's not really matter. a... I just... I'm just not really a baseball guy, man. And I... And I, I especially... I just my eyes roll into the back of my head when people are like, "Well, this guy's war. This guy's WRC plus. Oh, it's open. Oh, it was something higher." And they just go back and forth. And I'm like, "Dude, I d- what?" So no, this actually is all adding up now. What, you hate math. You, you hate numbers. <laughs> and baseball is the ultimate math and numbers sport. I just I just don't care. As okay. soon as no, somebody utters up. like I, F4, know. WRC+, WSP, whatever the hell, yeah. I just don't care anymore. No, see, this, Sorry. Is, this is actually great. I, I actually really appreciate this because this is true to your character. I love this. <laughs> I love this. Okay. Uh, by the way, Salvador Perez uh, is the is the one Kansas City Royal who made it in. Uh, how about this then? The MLB All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby. All-Star festivities. Do you care about that? Um, Kind of, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I will, I'm like, with the home run derby and the all star game, there's a decent chance I will put it on at some point and watch some part of it. But not the whole thing. But probably not the whole thing. I'm the same way. No. Uh, and then finally, the MLB draft is this weekend. Do you give a bleep about that? Mm, not really, because after like the first 10 guys, I don't know any of them. I give a bleep about the first round, and then after that, yeah, I, I'm yeah, I just, out from that point. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know. Like, I like, you, I'm, I'm supposed to like know if some 16 year old from wherever the hell is going to be good or bad or not. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't, no, sorry. Okay. Uh, Threads debuted the other day, and basically, if you go on Twitter, like over the last 24 hours, Half the tweets are just people saying, here, give me a follow, <laughs> follow on threads, threads, or now I'm on threads. Do you give a bleep about threads? I'm surprised that Elon Musk hasn't come out and been and like said, like, we're banning the word threads. <laughs> and like nobody can tweet threads. I, I yeah, I don't know. Uh okay. For the time being, I am choosing not to get a threads. Which, by the way, you just created an RCST thread. So I'm trying, but apparently you have to have an Instagram to create a thread. Oh, threads but you and, don't and have don't, an Instagram. I don't, neither does the show. So oh, I guess, RCST. And now I'm like in a pickle because it's like, does, do, do you I want to make an RCST go, Instagram? But that's so much effort. <laughs> I, it was originally, I was already like rolling well, my also, eyes. We're a radio show. So like, yeah. what would, like, what do we post on Instagram? Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and the other part <laughs> of it is, is right now, like nothing is chronological and you see what are thread? You know, Twitter. It's yeah, I don't tweets. know how it works. What are, are they called? Posts. Threads. Whatever. Uh, yeah, threads are posted or, or whatever. Posts are threaded <laughs> um, on there, and you you see everyone. You, you don't just but see, see the that people could you be follow. good for RCST because then everyone's going to see it. Uh, so you think like our listenership in like you know Germany is going to like skyrocket? Very well, could people are going to see yeah. it over there. Dude, um, listen, Germany's got a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans. Maybe they all like true. KU, too. We're just going to have a big, like, uh, you know, thriving go population of people in, like, a, Argentina listening yeah, to the can, show. We can go to Germany and have a German RCST yeah. reunion. Oh, it'll be great. It'll be great. We'll get the station paid for and everything. But, no, the problem with that is that it makes it really hard to actually see the people you want to follow stuff. So okay. the chances of anybody seeing our stuff are going to be lessened because it's going to be in. It's going to be a needle in a haystack, you know? Yeah, but it's all about securing that username. <laughs> I guess. I guess, man. But I but I understand the conundrum though because we're a radio show. What will we post on Instagram? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Pictures of us just smiling in the studio. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. So like it was already I was already rolling my eyes about like, oh, uh, I guess I'll create a threads and I was going to do it. I just download the app. And then when it was like, you have to log in with Instagram. <laughs> now I have to create multiple accounts like no, that ain't I think you should point. do it. I'm but sorry. I'm gonna, that's 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 your domain. I'm going to let you okay. handle that. Uh, like for me personally, I as of right now, I don't plan on making a threads, but I don't know. We'll see. OK, <clears throat> so um, I guess that means I don't give a bleep, but I don't know. I don't yeah. really, I don't I don't not give a bleep, but I don't give a really bleep either. I don't give a bleep enough to do something about it right now. Well, for you, but it's easy because since you have to have Instagram and you don't personally have an Instagram either. Correct. Then you, you don't. You don't. But see, I do obviously give at least a little bit of a bleep because I do see everybody fleeting from Twitter there to where I'm like starting to be like, oh no, I'm gonna have to do. So this, are you, you gonna know? have to fold and make an Instagram I think and then so. make it threads also? I think I'm gonna have to. Wow. Which means I guess I do give a little bit of a bleep. <laughs> Less than I want, or more than I want to. Wow. Uh, there's an upcoming Hot Wheels movie made by J.J. Abrams, who uh, has vowed to make it a like gritty and grimy Hot Wheels film. Do you give a bleep? Um, I'm I'm just confused. Like, does it that says mean emotional like, and grounded and so gritty? Is it going to be like Transformers? Sort of. Yeah. Are they going to be like the cars are alive? Yeah. Is this or are they going to be gonna like have, a mix of like, you know, when you drive Hot Wheels, it's you. you, you when you play with Hot Wheels, mm-hmm. you there's nobody in. There's nobody driving the cars. This is the thing. It's it's all like the toy movies. You had the Lego movie, which that one was animated. Then you have the Barbie movie, which is not. Seems like they're going more for the Barbie movie. Okay. Um. Sure. How do you make it gritty? I are they gonna have like sure. Hot Wheels like dying or exploding? Exploding? Or like crashing? I will you watch I, this movie? Probably not. I, I can tell you exactly where I'll be on Friday night, July 21st. That'll be in the movie theater seeing Barbie, but okay. I'm not going to see Hot Wheels, I don't think. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it open enough to be TBD <laughs> that like, hey, let, let's see what the trailer looks like first, right? But as That's of fair, right I now, I have lots yeah, of I'd questions. Yeah, I'd have to see a trailer because yes. I don't, I'm, I can't, I'm, I, I can't, can't visualize what yes. a gritty Hot Wheels exactly. movie would I can't, look like. I don't know what, yeah, I have the same issue. Okay. Same problem. So at this point, I don't give a bleep. Yes, agreed. Last one here. McDonald's has a new wedding package. So is this for like catering a wedding? Yes. Yeah, so this is a, it's a $200, which is, uh, I mean, for, for catering a wedding, like that is a that steal. Is great. $200 yes. wedding plan for those who wish to have golden arches catered on their big day. For how many people does, uh, does it say? Uh, t- well, I, I guess you can, you'd have to do the math here. It says uh, a post on the company's Indonesian Instagram, which begs the question, is this just like a thing in the Indonesian McDonald's? It's all over, whatever. That the uh, wedding package includes 100 chicken sandwiches and oh, 100 wow. packs of four-piece chicken nuggets. Dude, that could feed easily like 125 people. They said probably. available various other exciting package options with a minimum order of 200 pieces. Wow. Chicken nuggets. Wow. There, there are That's other great. options. That's incredible. Um, aside from the chicken sandwich and nuggets. So, and also, it's even better that it's not in the U.S. Because have you seen that apparently... McDonald's in other countries is just way better than McDonald's yeah. in the U.S., which I've never been out of the U.S., so I can't confirm or deny. But I went to a McDonald's once in Paris, and yeah, that thing was... Uh, did, did you try it? Yeah, yeah. Was it way better? Yeah. I don't know why. It just was. <laughs> um, Oh, you can also... Oh, that's interesting. In Indonesia, they call the chicken sandwich a chicken burger. I... I don't How about like that? that. I don't like that. You don't like that? No. I really don't like that at all, actually. <laughs> so if you're in another country and you order a chicken burger, you'd be like, what? So what if, if I say chicken sandwich? What would they give me? Don't, would they? I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you want to find out. 
This is actually like a great deal. No, that's a that is a steal. A I don't bargain. know if you'd want to like actually I mean, you cater feed, your wedding this way, man, but you like you could feed 125 people with that. Well, a lot of people it'll be popular. They'll like order pizzas or something for the end of the wedding. This would be perfect for that too. But you still have to cater like an actual meal, probably yeah. for the other parts. If you want to do this, I mean, I, I'll be honest. If I was a guest at a wedding and they had McDonald's instead of some fancy sit-down thing, like, would you be, I'd be cool with it. Okay, okay. So you wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be your, offended you at all. Stick your nose up and be no. like, oh, this is ridiculous. I'd be like, I'm housing twenty chicken nuggets tonight. <laughs> We're gonna have a good time. All right, he's uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. By the way, best dipping sauce for McDonald's. Go. Um. I like the barbecue, and I like the the honey mustard's okay. I like honey mustard from other places. McDonald's not so much. I guess barbecue. I don't know. Is that kind of basic? I think they have really good barbecue. I actually do like their honey mustard. Low key, I've gotten into their hot mustard. Actually, very very good. Mm, not a big fan of their ranch though. Um, all right. Interesting. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. MLB prospect or professional bull rider? That next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We have another fun game for you. This one's going to be tough. MLB draft prospect. I'm actually pretty nervous about this. Yeah, one. the MLB draft is is happening this weekend. I think on Sunday. And I only know like <laughs> five guys. Yes. Or professional bull rider. Mm. Okay, the old PBR. Yeah, I think I told you this, but I'm actually the world's number one biggest PBR fan. I know everybody. Okay, which means that your fans are expecting a national championship season. <laughs> so good luck. Your career record is forty-seven and twenty-two. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's over about four seasons. Five, five or six. One, two, three, four, five. Over five, oh, five seasons. seasons. Okay. Um, I think your. Uh, did you just lose a bowl game last time? Did you no, lose I your won first a bowl, bowl game. No, I did lose my first bowl game. You did. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you lost your first bowl game. But you have uh, a couple conference championships to your name. You have one asterisk title to your name. But the fans, they want more. They want more. They want you to get back to what you did in year two, which is make the playoff and win a title. <laughs> All right, you ready for this? This is going to be a tough one. To I'm going to give you names. You're going to tell me if it's an MLB draft prospect or I'm, a professional bull rider. I'm not confident. Okay. Week one, Walker Jenkins. Oh, that's an MLB draft prospect. That is an MLB draft prospect. He is. There the, we go. He is the I number four. Isn't he a high school guy? He is a high school guy. Okay. Well, I know more than I thought. Look there at you that. go. Bang. Yeah, he's the number four prospect on MLB.com. All right, good start for you. One and zero. Week okay. two, Dalton Kazel. Mm. I don't know. Do you think Dalton is a bull rider name? I have I a brother-in-law be. named Dalton. Does he ride bulls? I don't think so. Not oh. to my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go. I'm gonna go bull rider here. I don't know. I just I I think it's bull rider. He is a professional bull rider. Hey. Number five in the PBR rankings. Wow. All right, two and I didn't even know start. they had PBR rankings. They do. Week three. Aren't the rankings just you either fall off the bull or you don't? How long are you on the bull? Oh. You know, there, there's times like I think that's how it's judged who wins, who stays oh. on longest. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. Noble Meyer. I remember I was listening to a Royals podcast, and I think they talked about this guy. So I think he's a, I think he's a baseball prospect. Okay, he is a baseball <laughs> prospect. There we go. That was like 102. I think he's a high school pitcher. Nice. That's but a great he's the guy start that, for you. He's the guy that the Royals 
I think might draft. Yeah, he's he's number eight on MLB.com, so he could be right around oh, okay, yeah. where they're going. All right, that's good non-con for you. Three and oh non-con, baby. On to conference play. Week four. Boudreau Campbell. Boo what? Boudreau. What does that even mean? <laughs> it's a name. It doesn't mean <laughs> Do you want the spelling? Uh yes. B-O-U-D-R-E-A-U-X. Oh, Boudreau. with an X? Yes. Oh, like that changes Go every- Tigers. G-E-A-U-X. That, tra- that changes everything. Yes. Because with no X, I would have said Bull Rider. With the X, that's like a baseball thing. Okay. I think. Could be from Louisiana. Cajun ties. Uh, I'm going baseball prospect. Are you sure? Because there probably is. I don't know. Is there bull riding in Louisiana? I mean, obviously we know they have baseball. LSU is very good. That's why I'm going baseball prospect. Okay. It is a bull rider. Dude. Boudreaux Campbell is the number eight in the world. For somebody who watches as much bull riding as you do, you would think. (laughs) I know, man. I watch every single, literally every second of bull riding. Which, listen, there's only eight seconds, so that's not a lot of seconds for you to watch. All right. Well, you had a a great (laughs) non-con. Bad start to conference play. flat. All right. Week five. Colt Emerson. Okay, dude. Colt, seriously. Colt, Colt McCoy? Colt is, that's synonymous with, you know. Colt Brennan? Colts, like horses. College football quarterbacks. And you, what do you do with horses? You ride them to mm-hmm. bull riding stuff. I'm going, with the, I'm going with the bull rider. Bull rider. He is a bull rider. Hey, there we go. He uh, is number 29 See, look, in the world. Flawless logic. Oh, wait, just flawless. kidding. I'm sorry. That was a MOB player. What? I even confused myself. No. No, 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 Yes. No. Yes. I don't care. I should get that one right. No, you got it wrong. No, because you said I was right the first time. No, because you were wrong. I got it wrong. I made a So then I should get it right. No. No, no, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Colt Emerson, the number 29 MLB.com prospect. I a petition to the NCAA about this. Okay, that's fine. I am getting screwed. All right, well, the NCAA. That should be a win. The NCAA will let you know how that petition goes in it's five years. Take, I was about to say it's gonna, um, it's gonna take them twenty years. See, I no, it's it's. Uh, no, that's a win. I'm player. four and one. You're three and two. I'm four and one. All right, week six. Four and one. Cooper Davis. See if you lose three straight. <laughs> no, because I won my last game. Did not. Yes, I did. I got it right. According because you were her. wrong. You were wrong. That just so means I'm right. I was wrong. That doesn't make you right. But it should, we mean that wrong. it should mean that it should be disqualified. That's not it how that not works. Count. No. Cooper Davis. This is a true coin flip. Cooper Davis. I can see this one going either way. Bull rider. Cooper Davis is number nine in the professional bull right. rider rankings. There we go. Five and one. Four and two. Five and Are you halfway through the season? One and two, though, in conference Only play. one win away from, uh, from making a bowl. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, okay, week seven, Travis Honeyman. That's, that's not real. <laughs> that can't be real. I feel like you just made that up. Are you going to screw I, me again? I'm just going to guess one. You're going to be like, oh, no, who's the other one? Because it's not even a made up. It's not even a real guy. I probably um, am emphasizing it being, it's probably Honeyman, but I, I, I like it better <laughs> being Honeyman. <laughs> Honeyman, <laughs> Honeyman does it, sound way better. It's H O N E Y M A N. It's probably Honeyman, but Honeyman, <laughs> Honeyman is yeah. Awesome. Travis Honeyman. Gosh, I'm gonna go with baseball prospect. Uh, Travis Honeyman is the number 61 <laughs> baseball pros- prospect. Okay, you got it right. Nice. There you go. Six and one, bull eligible. Five and two, not bull eligible. All right. Uh, week seven or week eight. I'm sorry, week eight. 
Rock Chalowski. No. Chalowski. There's no chance. Chalowski. It could be Rock. His name is Rock? Well, it's Roke. Roch. O R C H? Yes. And then Chalowski. <laughs> Rock. Yeah. Dude, if you're going to commit to naming your kid Rock, just name him Rock R O C K. <laughs> just double down on it. What if it's like, wait, so it's it's a Rocha ballpark in Lawrence, right? Yes. So, and that's like A R R O C. So this could be Roach. No. Rocha. No, well, this then again, spelled the same way. It would be Roach. R O A C H. Roach. Maybe they didn't want it being named after the bug. Well, why do you want to be named after a rock? I, I don't know. Roach Chalowski. Rock Chalowski. Whatever. I'm, I'm going with uh, Bull Rider here. He is a baseball player. Dude. He like, is number what? 44. Could be a late I mean, first. What are we doing? I don't. <laughs> what? I don't even understand. Uh, you're five and three. I'm six and two. You've already lost three games in conference. <laughs> Week nine. Tate Pullmeyer. Okay, Tate automatic bull rider. Oh, interesting. Okay, well that strategy worked for you because Tate is a bull rider. He is ranked go. 16th in the world. Your name in is the Tate. You're riding bulls. Okay. I don't care. I've never made that I, correlation. I That's interesting. What do you mean? Really, Tate? No, I don't know. That doesn't sound... I don't know. Whatever. Definitely a bull riding name. Okay. Uh, week 10, Keyshawn Whitehorse. <laughs> this is just not real. I don't agree with this. Okay. He's got horse in his name. He does. <laughs> this is what that means. He's got to be. But I think you're so trying to trick This is bull me. riding, not horse riding. But you ride a horse to the bull riding place. <laughs> you, you, uh, you have to? You can just pull your car. No, you're a you're a, you're country, a cowboy. Cowboy. You know, <laughs> cowboy hat wearing whatever. But I think you're trying to trick me by giving me a guy with horses in the name. So I'm going baseball player. He is the number 47 professional bull rider. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, man. It's not that's a trick. Just, that's just some crap. All right, you are six and four. You have already lost four conference games. I'm seven and three. Week 11, Homer Bush Jr. <laughs> okay, he's got Homer in his name. Yes. He's got eight home runs. Yes. Right? Baseball player. He is the 94th ranked baseball player on MLB.com. Okay. I was going to be really upset if that was not a baseball player. You're 7-4. and four. You will not be playing for your conference title because you already have four conference losses. But, you know, you can still finish I strong. I am 7-3-1 because I am protesting that game. Uh, the NCAA appeal just came down. They said, sorry, you got the <laughs> loss. Okay, week 12 against your rival, Campbell Smithwick. <laughs> okay, hang on. Camel. Uh-huh. It's close to camel. What do you do with camels? You ride camels. <laughs> what do you do with bulls? You ride I bulls. You're gonna do something with like Campbell's chunky soup or something. What no, you ride okay. camels and you ride bulls. Okay. What's his last name? Uh Smithwick. Hmm. Like Westwick Rugby Complex here in Lawrence. You are a cowboy. You live really far out in the country. <laughs> you don't have access to electricity. What do you do? You light a wick, candles? Bull rider. He is the 155th ranked prospect on MLB.com. Then <laughs> you are seven and five. I wanted that to be right. You're making another bowl game, but you're trending in the wrong direction. No, I'm not. Yes, you are from your previous seasons. What did I go last season? Eight and four? Uh last season you went nine and five. Year before that, you went eight and five. This uh, is okay. your least amount of wins since year one. 
People are like, is year two, was that a fluke of them winning it No, all? year two is not a fluke. I just got screwed by the NCAA this year. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, to your bowl game, what do you want your bowl game to be? What do you mean? Like, what? what's the sponsor here? Oh. Um... Hmm. Uh, I mean, is I guess can I be like the PBR bowl? Sure. Perfect. Well, isn't there isn't there a Pabst Blue Ribbon? No, there's not. No, I don't think they would allow that to be a bowl. Yeah, I Why don't. Not? I don't know if beer. Like, I don't think beer and like gambling companies are allowed to be like they can. That's what's funny. They can have commercials as much as they want during they the game, but I don't think they can be the actual bowl sponsor. You can't be the DraftKings bowl. I don't think so. Like, oh. They can have as many commercials. That, that's what's stupid about it. They could have every commercial during the game, but they probably can't be the actual sponsor. That I doesn't make not, sense to me, I but I think it's the case. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're not going to do. Uh, this would have been a good one. Andrew Alvarez or Derek Kolbaba. Jesus. We are going to do Phoenix Call. Phoenix call. Mm-hmm. Like C A L L call? Yes. A call a f- uh, phone. Mm. What do you do? You call your horse <laughs> to ride <laughs> to the bull riding stage. <laughs> or you call uh-huh. a ball and strike. Or you make a call to the bullpen. Make a call to the bullpen. And he's a reliever. The only other person I know you whose call, name is call. Phoenix is. Joaquin Phoenix, mm. the actor, but I don't think that does anything for you. Uh, no, because I don't think was he ever in any. Well, wait a second. Okay, he was in Gladiator, and in Gladiator, what yeah. do you do? There's a ring. What <laughs> yeah. do you do with bulls? You ride in a ring. You ride in a ring. Didn't have bulls during Coliseum. the Gladiator days? Yeah, they did. Okay, because it was in it was in Italy, I think. No, that's not right. <laughs> I don't know where it was. It is in Italy, yes. Wait, it was? Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Coliseum. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. No, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. <sighs> I like the idea of calling call in the bullpen to come pitch. Going baseball player. He is the 226th ranked baseball player on MLB.com. <laughs> Another bowl win. So you are, you are uh, what? Like I'm unstoppable in the Five and games. one in bowl games. Yeah, I'm, I'm really good in bowl Eight games. Eight and five season. See, I show up when it matters. Okay, good job. Eight and five season in year six. Uh, so not not the worst thing in the world, but yeah, there's starting to be some hot seat talk. Oh please! You have Auburn's. How boosters. is there hot seat talk? You have Auburn's boosters. Well, I'm screwed then. I'm already fired. <laughs> right, no he's, chance. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is KLWN. We've been doing this segment called the Jayhawk Football Rewind, where we're going through all of Dude, KU football's it's games. just the Jayhawk Rewind. I think that sounds the mm. best. But it's only football games. Well, we're going to do it for basketball games once Are we get we? close to basketball. Okay. I thought. Was that not the plan? <laughs> we can. I don't know. I thought that was the plan. The okay. Jayhawk Rewind. Well, it's the Jayhawk Rewind, and we are uh, in football season. And we head to week six, or at least KU's sixth opponent, uh, with TCU is the next game up on the ledger, which headed in. Both TCU and Kansas were five and zero. Both of them were ranked in the top twenty. It so was this is the talk of the town. This is the most hype for a KU football home game since fifteen years. Maybe ago. Like, like when did KU play? Like I don't know. Like during the during the Orange Bowl season, did they play like somebody at home? There was the Nebraska game for sure, and that ended up living. To the hype and beyond. If you're just talking about, yeah, because the, the Missouri game was on neutral field, you could just say any 
like home game, honestly, at that point, like Nebraska game on in the in that 08 Orange Bowl season, because once you're ranked so high, um, you could probably maybe even say like the beginning of the season of the following year in 08, like how are you going to follow that up? But yeah, I mean, this is the first time you ever hosted so college like, game day. But okay, but in 08 and 09, you hosted Florida International to start the season and then Louisiana Tech. Your next home game was Sam Houston State FCS. And then you played Colorado like six games into the season at home. I don't think any of those home games would be more hype. I mean, they did play Kansas State at home and beat them 52 21 uh, the following year, 08 09. So maybe that game. I mean, but they're selling out those games. So isn't that the, the whole point of the home hype stuff? Um, plus, in the Orange Bowl season, it's the like you could honestly argue, even though it is like FIU. The first game after the year in which you won the Orange Dude, Bowl. College game day came to Lawrence. I know, man. I, I see what you're saying, but I don't know. It, I, I don't know. Um, so anyway, college game day was in town. Kansas was ranked 19th. TCU was ranked 17th. Uh, it was a chance to be bowl eligible already, which would have been really cool. TCU, you knew, was good at that point in time, which actually was kind of funny. Uh, we were having all the preseason conversations. How does Kansas get to X amount of wins last year? How do they get to four wins? How do they get to six wins? How do they get to bowl eligibility? <laughs> and one of those games that a, a lot of people, including ourselves, kind of migrated to being a more winnable game for KU was TCU. I, I mean, it ended up being a winnable game. It was a close game. But yeah. we thought that because I think TCU the year before was, what, four and eight, yeah, five and seven? Good. And KU almost beat them, remember? Kibbles beat them in, in Fort Worth the year before, right? Yeah, that was the game they lose on the last after the goal? Texas game. They yes. lost on the last second It was goal. the game after the Texas game. They tied the game, and then TCU went down on the final possession of the game, ran the clock out, and yeah, kicked a field yep. goal from from close to win. I think it was 31-28 to 28 yep. in the final game. Yep. So yeah, it was, it was a game you almost won in Fort Worth. TCU wasn't like a great team last year. It was thought that, yeah, that would be one of the more winnable games. And yeah. if you would have said, you know, before the season started that KU was going to win six games— that you was going to be a logical TCU. path of, of one yeah, of the ones you were going to chalk up. But right? I will say this was like this was before TCU was like national championship level. Like no, at this point people, they were seventeenth. Yeah, like, I mean, oh, people good, thought but. they were good. Like they had a hot start to the season. Max Duggan was playing really well. Quentin Johnson was playing really well. But like it, this was not. It was not to the point where like they were like TCU Big Twelve title. TCU you know eleven and one whatever. Right. No, and at this point, like. To what you're saying, we didn't totally have a great idea of the schedule. They'd beaten Colorado by 25, who that was a bad team. Tarleton State, where it was like, okay, that's an FCS team. They beat SMU by eight points. Put some respect on Tarleton State. And the game before uh, the Kansas game, they crushed Oklahoma 55-24. to Yeah, but that was the game that Dylan Gabriel got hurt. Correct. And the game, it was like, wasn't it like 35 nothing to start the game? Or 28 nothing to start the game? I don't know. I just know TCU killed them. Yes. Right? It wasn't even a game. So it was it was kind of concerning because it was like, okay, clearly they have some talent, but it was how concerning it because yeah, clearly Oklahoma they, clearly without Dylan Gabriel have was, an explosive offense. Yeah. TCU does. So is this going to be an offensive mm-hmm. shootout, which, kinda, which it ended up being sort of that. And if Kansas won this game, I think the conversation was going to turn from this is a cool story and be bowl eligible, all that sort of stuff, to all of a sudden, at this point, you're 6-0, you beat a top 25 team, you are a Big 12 title contender. You go 3-3 three and three in the back half of the season, that puts you in Big 12 title contention. Uh, so what happened in the game, um, it starts out in a kind of low-scoring affair. TCU goes down, gets the ball first, kicks the field goal. Then uh, the two teams kind of exchange punts for a little bit of time. Eventually, Kansas gets the football at their own 19-yard line, 
and they hit a uh, they hit a after a six yard run by Devin Neal. It was the pass from Jalen Daniels to Mason Fairchild, where if you remember, Daniels threw it like. Basically, he threw it to a point where Mason Fairchild had to catch yeah, it, where yeah. Fairchild wasn't looking for the ball, and it yeah, just he went like like over his know. head. Yeah, he didn't even yeah. know if it was coming. Just right into his bread basket. And boom, got it. 48-yard play. Then Devin Neal has a 21-yard run. Eventually, it's second and goal at the TCU three-yard line. And, and Jalen Daniels... Disaster. Yes, fumbles at the goal. It was one of those plays where he... Uh, it was, was like, like a QB sneak or something. Yeah. And he, or, yeah, he he tries to extend over the goal line, which is a play you should do on fourth down because you have to get there. But a play looking back where it was like, ah, you probably shouldn't have done that on second down because worst case, it would have just been third and goal at the one. So you end up fumbling at the one yard line. That ended up coming back to haunt and then KU. TCU goes hot knife, 99 yards, six plays. Straight through butter. The <laughs> first play of the drive was a 53 yeah. yard yep. pass to Quentin Johnson. By the second play of the drive, they're at the KU 17. So that was <laughs> problematic. So it's 10 nothing, and you're like, oh, this is not good. Yeah, you feel a little nervous. KU goes Played. down. And they get a uh, third and six at the TCU 17, and it's like, okay, if they can get a touchdown, that'd be huge. They end up getting stopped to a field goal to make it 10 to three. Um, then TCU throws an interception. But unfortunately for KU, it was right at the end of the half. It was right at the end of the half. So they didn't get a chance to really do anything. It might have actually been on like a Hail Mary play. So it's 10 to three at half, but you're like, man, the defense is holding it. The defense just played great against Iowa State. Now it's shutting down TCU at halftime. Like, Hold them down, yeah. There was a point, couple of fourth, there was a big fourth mm-hmm. down play earlier in the game on a fourth and one that TCU got stopped. Yes. Uh, so, you know, they stood tall, which that, which by the way, that ended up being something that kind of became a theme where on fourth and short, the KU defense actually made some stops in a couple different games. Yeah, it did. So uh, at this point, you're like, the defense playing good, but you have questions, what's up with the offense? Has the offense been figured out? Because at that point, you only scored 14 against Iowa State. You only had three in the first half. And if you just go from the second half on of the Iowa State game to the first half of the TCU game, you had scored three total points. And, and Jalen Daniels gets hurt say, at the end of the first half. Jalen Daniels on the drive before the TCU interception where they kicked a field goal, or yeah, where they kicked the field goal, I believe he got... Was that the drive he got hurt? Yeah, it was the field goal drive. Uh, he's he's rolling out to the right. He takes off and and he gets uh, kind of depleted on the, on the sideline. Um, and so then it's like, okay, Jason Bean's the quarterback, and you know we knew right. Jason you, Bean. You don't really know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I remember I was in the stadium at halftime. We didn't know and if he was at back halftime. Or not. I there was speculation. Nobody yeah, knew, of course. So eventually we get to the second half when we do find out Jason Bean's the guy, and it's like, okay, what is he going to bring to the table? We knew he was not like. A bad quarterback. He, you know, he he had an up and down first year with KU. Six touchdowns, six interceptions. That's not great. Fifty six percent completion. That's not great. But you saw some highlight moments where you were like, okay, he can be a dual threat, and you know, we know he can be at least like a manageable starting quarterback. Yeah, I don't think it gets talked enough the jump that he took from his first year at KU to his second year. I mean, the, the jump that he took from going from being, you know. A decent Big 12 starting quarterback, but still probably one of the bottom ranked oh, Big yeah, 12 quarterbacks sure. to being legitimately, sure. like, if you extrapolate out his numbers, you're talking about, Solid. like, Tim Tebow, Cam Newton-looking numbers. Solid, yeah. Um, is is very, very incredible. And, and this was the ultimate game of it. So KU gets the ball in the second half, and it's like, okay, who's going to be the quarterback, as you mentioned? Eventually comes out Jason Bean. That scares you a little bit. But then you start to uh, feel a little bit better after you have a four-play, 75-yard touchdown drive that ties the game at 10. Yep, you have a big throw to Tanaka Scott. I think he was on, like, a drag route. He makes the catch, runs 52 yards, big play, KU scores. Then both teams exchange punts. TCU gets the ball back, and they fumble. Kenny Logan picks it up. KU has the uh, short field starting at the TCU 40. 
and they get a uh, eventual touchdown to Luke Grimm, which I think was the play where Jason Bean like scrambled all over and then eventually Grimm was just in the back of the end zone and yeah. just kind of toe-tapped his way in. Yeah. So now you're up 17-10. You've outscored him 14-0 in the second half. You feel like you have all the momentum. And the way your defense is playing, you're going, we, we have a real shot at winning this thing. And then TCU gets into a third and eight at their own 41-yard line. Their, their first two plays of the drive, two-yard run and an incomplete pass. And you're like, okay, this is the big moment where KU has a chance to kind of step on their throats. To make a stop, you have all the momentum, get the ball back, now go up two touchdowns if you get the ball back and go score. Instead, the momentum completely shifts to TCU. Lonnie Phelps gets called for an offsides. Third and eight becomes third and three. TCU gets a three-yard pickup, just enough for first down, and then they complete a 51-yard pass, which I think was the I screen pass. That was the— He uh, might have been out of bounds, uh, Yeah, where they didn't he, review it. Where yeah, well he caught the screen, but Maybe there was nobody there, and he it. just ran down the yeah. line, ran down the sideline, and it looked yeah. like he was out of bounds. So it's seventeen seventeen, and not only does the momentum go there, then Jason Bean throws a really bad interception, which was a play probably, after they fumbled and recovered it. Probably the worst interception yes. of the season. So now it's and then TCU scores in five plays. It's twenty four seventeen, and from what you had all the momentum, they have all the momentum, and then again. Kansas is able to, from there, kind of, you know, show their fight, which was a theme really all season long. Uh, they they end up with a four-play, 72-yard touchdown Jason drive. Jason throws the deep ball to, to Quinn Skinner, Skinner, which was sick. <laughs> totally awesome. Just really cool. Yeah. It was, it was a very cool play. <laughs> Top 10 cool plays of the season. <laughs> uh, so that ties the score at 24-all. But at this point, you can't stop TCU. They have, at this point, figured out... You cannot slow yeah, down Quentin, Quentin Johnson. Quentin Johnson's going nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the theme of when a team has a legit number one receiver, KU can't stop them, continues even more in this game. Quentin Johnson was absurd. Uh, he finished the game with 14 catches, 206 yards, and a touchdown. He just It just didn't matter. It didn't matter what happened. Every time he got the ball, it was a big play. And uh, again, continuing the theme of when other teams had a number one receiver earlier in the season, Kansas kind of got starched by him that continues here yeah for sure um so then tcu uh makes 31 24 the next drive ku goes down and um they end up having a fourth and two at the tcu 18 they go for it quentin skinner has a three-yard run i don't remember if that was the jet sweep or, or what the situation was there but he barely picks up the first down so that's first and 10 at the 15 you end up having a third and 12 at the tcu 17 and I don't remember if this was a QB draw to try to cut it in half or if it was a scramble, but Jason Bean runs and only picks up three yards. I think it was a, I think it was a scramble, if I remember right. Yeah. So now it's fourth and nine, um, and then Borchilla misses a 31-yard field goal. That's Which tough. at that point is tough because he had made a 40-yarder earlier in the game. Yeah. And it's not as if, like, at the end of the day, you lose by seven, so you make in a field goal, you still lose by four. But it is such a it is such a momentum killer when you, especially from the, like, it's one thing if you miss a 50-yarder. Well, it's it, like, we I get think it, it definitely felt like KU would have gone for it if they had gotten more yards. That was the fr- that was the frustrating part about the third and the third and 12 play is, is it did feel like if they had picked up six, seven yards, eight yards that they would have gone for on fourth. That's what it felt like. So that's why it was like extra deflating. It was like, oh man, you only got three yards. Now you got to roll out the kicking the kicking unit. And at this stage of the season, I don't I mean, I don't I don't remember exactly what my feelings were about the special teams unit. I mean, was it was it burn it all down at this stage? Was it, oh, the kicking unit is a disaster, or was it at this point where you still had a little bit of confidence? Yeah. Do you recall? I I don't. 
To be it's so hard honest. because they just ended up being so bad that it really. But like at the, at at that stage, five and zero. Oh, what was your confidence level in the kicking unit? I think it had to have been a little bit higher, probably, than it was at the end of the season. Like, I mean, I don't know what game did it unravel. It might be this one, but I don't yeah. remember ever being confident in the kicking unit because you still no, knew what true. they were the year before. They just weren't as relied upon in moments this year. Now, did I feel better about it than the year before? Yeah, but that's just because you didn't see the flaws yet. So, I don't know. It might have been this game when you missed that field goal because that was a big moment. You did make a stop, though. You went got a touchdown, so now it's 31-all. TCU goes down. They score rather easily. It's 38-31. You get the ball back with about a minute and a half left in the game. And, uh, you know, you, you actually work your way up there. You got a second and 20. Then you gain nine yards on a run. Then Jason Bean completes on third and 11 to Quentin Skinner for 19 yards. And now all of a sudden, it's like there's a minute left. You're at the TCU 35. It's like, okay, they could do this thing. And you start wondering in your mind, if they get a touchdown, are they going to go for two? Um, and I think in the post game, Lance Leipold said they would have. Yeah. Um, so then all of a sudden, though, you get missed pass on first down to Doug Emelian. Second down, this is the one that uh, this is the one that kills you. It was the second and 10 at the TCU 35. It was the little swing route to Devin Neal in the flats. And if you watch the replay, if you're just watching the play, they had it set up so perfectly. Devin Neal for sure gets the first down. He might have scored a touchdown. I mean, it was it was wide open over there. And Jason Bean just missed it, uh, Like, which was uh, it was crazy because Jason Bean was hitting all these these really hard throws. And then the one like the easiest throw, which might have been a touchdown, he misses. Now, honestly, if you score on that play... It might not have mattered because what if you missed the two or what if they at that point they still have like 40 seconds left. The way your defense was struggling, they might go down and get a field goal. So instead you have a third and 10. You complete to Devin Neal for just one yard. Now it's fourth and nine and you have the incomplete pass to Lawrence Arnold, which uh, could have been maybe a pass interference or hold. But I don't know. I'm not one to, to complain too much about that stuff. So um, very good game. As far as yeah. the like dudes yeah. list, Jason Bean, four touchdowns in the second half. I mean, uh, just did everything he could. Unbelievable, yeah. I mean, again, besides the one interception and the missed throw to the flat, which those two plays proved to be pretty critical in the game, but uh, he really had an admirable performance. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I thought this was the game for me where I realized how good the receivers were. Like, they had other really good moments yeah. up until this I mean, point. Quinn Skinner had the touchdown. This Luke was Grimm. the game where I was like, yeah. their receivers are making fantastic plays, right? Yeah. Um, Mason and I Fairchild. Think this was probably the game where you realize Mason Fairchild was dude. also that dude. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Lonnie Phelps. He had a uh, tackle and or, or one and a half tackles for loss. I think he had a sack in the game. OJ Burroughs had a big interception at one point in the game. Uh, Quentin Johnston, not KU player, but Obviously. definitely dude. Yeah, Max Duggan, I guess a little bit too. Uh, honestly, my biggest takeaway though from this game was I walked away from there going, yeah, you know, this is unfortunate, and you had a lot of ways you could have won that game and maybe should have in certain ways. But, like, and it, it stinks anytime you lose. But that game to me was more reaffirmation about how good this team was, yeah. as much as any I was, of the first five games were. Yeah, I, w- I was at the game inside the stadium. And I just remember the overwhelming sense after the game was still one of a lot of positivity of like, you're five and oh, you were five and oh, now you're five and one. You get five more chances to try to qualify for a bowl. Which at this point kind of became really the measuring stick for the season of getting to that, getting that final win to get to the bowl. You played, uh, you know, you lose Jason da- or you lose Jalen Daniels. Jason Bean comes in and plays really, really well. So you feel confident enough in Jason Bean if he ended up needing to play extra games. Because remember, at that time, the Jason, the Jalen Daniels injury was still very much up in the air of like what the long term status was, right? So, uh, but I just remember overwhelming and thinking. 
positively about KU coming out of that game and their situation heading forward for the rest of the season and their chances of getting to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think other takeaways, I just thought this was funny. Classic Savion Morrison line, one carry, 40 yards. Dude, yeah. I <laughs> Listen, I carried so much water for Savion Morrison last season, all for him to get like three carries. Ridiculous. Yeah. Get that man the ball. As far as things that didn't come to fruition, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that anything sticks out to me. I mean, Jason Bean, I guess... He he was an X factor he wasn't type average player. Four touchdowns per yeah, half. he was an X yeah. factor type player, but like he wasn't going to do that every single game. Yeah, but see, I also do think there is some hindsight twenty twenty in Jason Bean's performance in that game. Yeah, you saw a lot of the highlight because moments. There were, I mean, he played really well against Oklahoma. The deep ball was really good. Yeah, um, but you also saw some times where the consistency wasn't there. Where yeah, that think, throw think, to Devin Neal, yeah, I think like the, that's one Jalen Daniels hits. The conversation became with uh, with Jason Bean of. At his best, he might be as good as Jalen Daniels, but the problem is that he's not as consistent. So he he's more likely to kind of circle back to like the Iowa State game the week before. The big the one thing that I harped on a lot with the Iowa State game was Jalen Daniels wasn't great, but he didn't make a big mistake that cost KU. And I think the issue with Jalen with Jason Bean is he had he is more tendency or more likely to make that big mistake that can cost KU. I.e., missing the throw to Jay, to mm-hmm. Devin Neal. I.e., the interception, and so that kind of became the difference. Was Jason being at his best might be as good as Jalen Daniels, maybe even in some cases a little bit better with his speed and his ability to run the ball. But the problem is that his valleys are much much worse, and he is more and and just not consistent enough, and more likely to make mistakes. Uh, fumbling once again appears on the hindsight 2020 thing. Kansas fumbled four times. I think one was just a, a missed exchange between Kai Thomas and Jason Bean. So I don't know how much that one counts. They did recover it. They did lose the fumble on the goal line. This was a bit of hindsight 2020 in that, yeah, they had more fumble issues, but this was also a bit of a reckoning from the first, because the first five games they had fumbles issues, but they, but they recovered, recovered a lot of them. them. Yeah. This one, you lost a very critical one on yeah. the goal line. Nobody cares if you fumble if you get them all back. Yep. <laughs> yeah, nobody remembers the Daniel Highshaw fumbling in the five at West Virginia. But you certainly remember the one at TCU that, you know, if you get that touchdown instead of fumbling, it's a different game, obviously, because you lose by seven. Yeah, I think the hindsight 2020 on the defense, too. Um, they could be hot and cold. Yeah, I, I don't know, actually. Do we count this as a like, does this actually count as a good defensive game? Like, I think I think I remember us coming out of that game the next week talking about that being a good game for the defense. Well, because TCU on the season... Was one of they, the best were, offenses I think they in college were, football. Yeah, I think they were below a lot of their averages for the game. Like yards per game, uh, points per game, that kind of stuff. Yeah, they averaged 39 points per game, which was ninth in the country. So technically you held them slightly below <laughs> average. They put up 51 points on Michigan in the college football playoff semis. But I do think you know? like looking ahead, like there were KU, reasons to be There concerned. were other games where they had a really bad half, and then another half they did better. Mm-hmm. Like you look at like the Baylor game that happened coming up. Uh, I think in the Texas Tech game, they were pretty good in the first half, if I remember right. Mm. Well, I don't know. We'll get to that game later. But there was other games where like they were kind of good for like times, but then still really bad. Yeah. And that, the last thing here is, did it teach us anything for 2023? I'll be honest. This game uh, teaches me a lot. I think the Duke game and this game have taught me the most. I, I think this game was a perfect example to me. One, something we talked about earlier in the show, that there's not a lot of difference between a lot of teams in the Big 12. Uh, Kansas finished, whatever it was, like eighth in the conference. TCU finished first in the regular season and ended up going to the the college football playoff uh, title game. 
just look how close Kansas was to beating a national title runner-up. <laughs> Think about all the small misses, the fumble at the goal line, the yep. Phelps offside play, the missed field goal, the Jalen Daniels injury, uh, missed pass in the flats to Devin Neal, no call PI on the fourth down. And I think to that notion with how tight-knit the Big 12 is, there not being a lot of separation in the league, maybe we should be taking them more seriously with a healthy Jalen Daniels as a Big 12 title contender yeah. because clearly in a head-to-head matchup, there wasn't that big of a difference. So my kind of takeaway is this. When you look at Kansas in the past, when they were really struggling, so the last you know 12 years, the issue with, with Kansas was even against some of the mid-tier teams in the Big 12, the talent disparity was so vast that for KU to even have a chance to win, they would have to play perfectly and you would need the other team to make mistakes. What this game for TCU had taught me, and looking forward to 2023, is that Kansas has closed that gap. They have the talent now. They have the players that are on that you, where you're on par with other teams in the Big 12. They have the Jalen Daniels, the Lawrence Arnolds, the Devin Neals, the Lonnie Phelpses. Obviously, Lonnie Phelps isn't on the team anymore, but you, you, you get the idea. Mm-hmm. They have the players now to where that talent disparity, that gap is not so significant to where if you're Kansas – you don't. You're not relying on the other team to play a bad game for you to win. You have a chance if you just play your game. You can beat good teams. You can beat great teams. Teams that are national title runners up. Yeah. I think that's what the, my takeaway is going into this next season. Is that if you're Kansas now, it felt like for KU in the past to even come to even have a a, a small chance of winning a game like this in the past, it was you have to play perfect, no turnovers, you have to execute perfectly, and you need TCU to play badly. That's not the case anymore. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.